out there, welcome back to another beautiful episode of the Safe Space Podcast. So, yeah, we're not going to ignore the fact that, um, wait, I'm, I'm sure everyone's like, what was that music? Well, that was our brand new intro for this wonderful podcast. Fun fact, it was created by a sixth grader. <laughs> so, shout out, shout out to that sixth grader. We love you for that. So we so for this week's episode we are going to be completing our discussion on black health and wellness. This is part four, I believe. Oh part three. Part three. This is part three. And so let's do a quick check-in. So how is everyone doing today? Oh I'm on. Sonny's alright. Yeah. Uh, I had a good week. Since um, the junior class was testing, we went to school late every day, so mm-hmm. that was, oh, I got a good enough sleep every day. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I had a good sleep every time I came to school. Oh, I felt Lord like knows how much I'm going to miss that. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, miss yeah that it's so crazy that you guys sleep in. Yeah, I'm I miss mean, it so much. No, I, <laughs> mean, I mean, I still, I'm an early bird, and even this week, I woke up at like 7.15. Straight into lunch? Yeah, we went straight into lunch. I'm like, I already ate. So, <laughs> so wait, they started like they started the day regularly. Yeah, regularly for like the um juniors. Okay. Regularly for juniors, but we come in at lunch. Period. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, right. but everybody got different lunch. So yeah. you know, some people mm-hmm. go straight to lunch, and the other people got to wait their turn to get the lunch. Some days they like change it where we still have lunch every day, but they change what we have for fourth block. Hmm. Yep. Do you guys like this block system? The block system? The block system? Well, well, like, that's your schedule, right? Yeah. It's the block system. Yeah. It's organized. I like yeah. it. Nah, I like it because um, I did my freshman year and half a sophomore year in New York. Okay. And, um, Their schedule is like you have eight periods in a day. Yeah. So you'll go to like six, seven classes in one day. So I like the Jersey style because you only do four classes in one day. Like your mind is not focused on four or five different subjects. I didn't think day. about it that way. Because yeah. so, that's how I, before they switched to the block, that's how I had it when I was in school. It was like, you you went to eight different periods yeah, for like 40 was, minutes. Yeah, that was like middle, middle school. Yeah. I think middle school. Yeah. Is it middle school? Yeah. 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 Middle school's block system. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky. I had that for my first They had eight different like classes. Nine, I had to see the dude. same teacher every day, like. Yeah. And the thing about like our high school block system is that like it gives us time to like complete our work because we don't see that teacher oh, that same yeah, day. We have yeah. to wait till the next class. But then you have some teachers that are like, oh, your work is due at three o'clock. Like, mm-hmm. like you got you got some teachers that make your work due like half half in the class and then the other work due at night. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, and my question is for you guys. So the reason why I'm asking because I'm thinking about you guys because I know for the middle schoolers they're in a class for like eighty minutes. 
Yeah. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. And I I could barely sit still for eight, like 40 minutes, let alone 80 minutes. So. I mean, yeah, but sometimes, but you gotta do it. But sometimes the teachers are actually good teachers. Okay. And they're not like boring. Okay. And the yes. subject, and the subject, nah, you know, the if you have a good teacher, it's true. And the subject they're teaching is like, I'm actually interested in. And, and there's some teachers that's like, especially algebra, great teacher. Don't call me. Great person. Not a great teacher though. Great person. Mm-hmm. And um and the subject is boring. Like I sleep every time I get there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean at least you admit it. Because you know, I think about because like in college you sit in classrooms for two hours. And I know that was a struggle for us. I'm like thinking about y'all in in a forty minute, eighty minute class. <laughs> I think I, I think I can handle but I do have, still have one question. Um, so in my middle school, I went to university middle. Um, they, you know, this is when I got introduced to A days and B days. And to this day, I still don't know what A days and B days are. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's very confusing. What? You are not, no, what? Like, you are not the a... only one because New York don't do A days and B days. You just do strictly, like, strictly days. So, yeah. like, um, you probably have a bit, like, six, seven class, six, eight, seven, eight, yeah. core classes. And one day, and then you have, like, the two, the other two, like, fit into the other day. So, like, I had to get used to not only the block schedule, but then the fact that you have half class in one day, half class in the <laughs> yeah. other day. Yeah, and that's, like, what gets confusing, because I know from the middle school, I get very confused. I'm like, is it, they're like, is it day day or a B day? And I'm like, I don't know. Just yeah. be glad it showed up. Yeah. When it comes to me, like, I don't know if it's an A day or a B day. I just know what class I'm in. <laughs> that's how I, I looked at my schedule. I be looking at my schedule. Oh, I remember my schedule. Hey, if you computer science in one. Oh. <laughs> So that's yeah. I just was interested because I'm like I just see how the middle school struggle. So you know, I was just curious to know how you guys were doing in it. I don't think they should do it for middle schoolers though. I, I like, think wait, wait until you get high school. Yeah, it'll be perfect practice for college. Cause college is like a good like two hours. Yeah, hour, I said two. You said two hours in a lecture. Yeah, so I feel like it'll be good appropriate for college so that I mean appropriate for high school so that it give you practice for when you get to college. Yeah, middle schoolers. They can't, they can't focus. And that's a big complaint that I usually get as a counselor. I, I hear that a lot of kids are, um, they're very fidgety and I'm like, well, you can't expect them to sit there for 80 minutes. It's just out of control. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. Uh, does anybody have anything else for our check-in before we go into our topic? Not really. No. No. Okay. So we are going to finish up, like Nara said, we're going to finish up, um, Hopefully we'll finish up this conversation because we got to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing about black health and wellness. So think about the things that we've talked about in the last few weeks about what does that mean? And why do you think they're focusing it on so much? Well, um, honestly, think about this. Um, just, the, just these four words, black health and wellness. Yeah. And so, like, why is there, like, um, like, why, like, what's the difference between, like, black health and wellness, maybe Asian health and wellness, like, what's the difference? I mean, um, the healthcare system, what their mission is to make sure that everyone is healthy, make sure that they have health insurance and everything like that. So, uh, honestly, um, it's just a little bit confusing in my opinion. 
Um, but honestly, it is still um, important to learn about these things so that when we see something that's false or something that doesn't that doesn't seem right, we can maybe take that to the next to the next level and go about it intelligently. It's important to go about things intelligently and make sure that everything's organized. Otherwise, like something might backfire or something like either unintentional or unexpected might happen. So. Yeah. Anybody on the? To answer the question that Nara said. The reason why they're focusing on black health and wellness is because a lot of black youngsters, like they're not, like they're not aware of their mental mm-hmm. illness. They're putting this stigma that caused them to not be aware or not want to to face that problem, that issue, and bringing that awareness to them help young youngsters that's going to grow up into adults to do those mental issues. Yeah. So that they don't have to face it or bring it on to their children as they grow older and continue that cycle. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. No, you guys are you guys are I think pretty much on the money on that because I don't you know we focus our you know they focus a lot of their energies on predominantly white people, yeah. Caucasians, um, and so it's a it's you know they I don't think people realize I know when I was going through the numbers I you know I knew there was a massive um discrepancy between uh the two races i just didn't realize i guess how much was there anything that you guys heard that shocked you oh those low like those statistics that you shared um you know with when it comes to mental health and um um, i don't think i can specifically remember the number but i think it was pretty low but um honestly actually i do have another question Mm-hmm. So, which do you think is more important for a complete, you know, like a complete healthy person? Mental health or physical health? Uh, I can answer that. Go ahead, Marcus. Uh, I think I've said this before, but I believe mental health is more important than physical health because in order for you, for something to affect you physically, it has to first affect you mentally. Yeah. And that's the reason why. It's because, like... When you think about, like, two different types of health, and, like, mm-hmm. let's say, like, you got hurt by something, right? Yeah. You yeah. have to feel that you're going to have to be emotionally brought down first in order to, like, be physically hurt first. Yeah. Yeah. If you understand what I'm saying. No, definitely. So that's the reason why, like, I believe mental health is really important because, like, when we think about physical health, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, we need to, that gets a lot of attention. But when it comes to mental health, it's not really getting that much attention. People are lacking to seek help that they need for mental health, especially black people, because when it comes to like just getting mental health, people are not thinking it's a secure place, a place where they mm-hmm. feel safe, where they feel comfortable being able to express themselves, expressing their feelings and all of that. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. Um, I think we've talked about it in previous episodes. You know, when people go seek for, I was like, are you can hand me something? Um, when people talk about mental health, they compare, when you talk about physical health, you know, you hear mental, you think, you know, you, all these t- words come to mind. And then that you think of physical, people are more uh, empathetic, I want to say, than those who are suffering from mental illnesses. Right. And um, just another quick question, I have to say it before I quickly lose my thought. So how does, how do you think um, the human brain reacts whether it's when you're in physical pain or you're mentally struggling. So let's um, quickly break that down. So how does the brain react 
when um, you're suffering mentally, mm -hmm. and how does it react when you're men when you're physically suffering? Uh, I think I can answer that one too. Go ahead, Marcus. So uh, when it comes to like a mental standpoint, it takes different levels. First level is that like your mind is all over the place. You don't, you're not making logical decisions. You don't know what decision you want to make. So you're just out of out of the ordinary. And then it just takes it to a step for further where you're just wanting to like, you just don't know what to do. Like you just, just doesn't, it just, you can't think correctly. You don't know like what's right, what's wrong. You just, just in this loop of like not knowing nothing. And then we can take it to a step further where we can bring in that physical pain where you're just trying to hurt yourself and everything. And it just depends on like what level of, of physical, mental hope is taking place on the physical standpoint i believe it's still just as is the same levels but you're getting hurt physically so like the pain that you're experiencing physically and your mental health is getting like hurt in a faster rate because of the fact that you're experiencing both at the same time because when it comes to a mental standpoint you're first experiencing mentally and then as time goes your, that physical pain is going to start coming in but when it comes to a physical standpoint physical pain is being hurt physical and mental pain are counteracting each other at the same time so it's going to be a faster rate if you know what i'm saying right right so yeah no um i think that's a good question to think about i mean there's whole are we i kind of disagree because i think mental pain and physical pain are the same thing because they're all pain Right. Mm -hmm. And they all have substantial damage. It's either permanent or temporary. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, um, I'll bring in PTSD. No. Right? That's a that's a physical okay, and I'm mental to, What I'm trying to say pain. is that like they're yeah, I agree with you, they're both pain. It's just that if you're experiencing like at the the is it depends on the rate of like which the pain is being attracted to you. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to like a if you're identifying as a physical and mental thing, it's it's just the rate because you're experiencing two type of things at the same time when it comes to physical. But okay. mental, it's just that mental pain, but it's going to come up to physical as time goes. Uh, I just wanted to um, answer the first question. I feel like mental health is more important than physical health. Mm -hmm. The reason why, because physical health is short term. Like you can hit That's your foot, true. but then you can hit your foot, and then probably like after a good two minutes, your foot is going to be okay. But then if your grandmother dies. That's, it's not going to take too much for you to recover from it's, that. Like, yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, that I feel like it, it plays with mental. It also plays around with mental because that can really like break down a person. Yeah. But to me, um, the fact that physical pain is a short term and mental health and then mental it pain is long term. And it's that's not linear. Why I say it's mental health is more important because you can hit your foot and be okay, but then your grandmother could die. You could not be okay for six. Maybe a year. year, or even some people don't recover for ten years. Or even that, you know, grief. People don't realize that mental health and grief and all those things. It's not linear. People think it's like, oh, you go through this stage, you go through that stage, you go through. No, no, you go this way, you can go left, you can go right, you can go backwards, you can go sideways. And I think you you made a really good point there. Yeah, and speaking of that, I actually have a historical fact that what that just came into my head. So um. <laughs> no, yeah, I thought I saw something. Yeah, this um, woman, named, her name was Queen Victoria, um, and this was back in the early days of England. Um, when her husband, King Albert, passed mm -hmm. away, like she was predominantly in mourning, 
and she even, um, if you guys heard of the Royal Albert Hall um, that's located in London, England, um, that is actually, even though it is a concert hall, it's a memorial built by Queen Victoria in honor mm-hmm. of her dead husband. There you go, grief. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, um, we're going to bring the conversation back into the discussion of because um, anything that's going to go coincide with what we're talking about is talking about psychological stress that a black Americans face. They're saying that black Americans living below the poverty level are twice as likely to report serious psychological stress as those living two times above the poverty level. Um, they're saying that black American adults are more likely to, to have feelings of sadness, hopelessness, worthlessness than white adults. And 16% reported of having a mental illness in the past year. Oh. What do you guys think? I, I believe it. The reason why, because especially when living in like a low poverty community, it's, you not only got to worry about how you're going to feed the kids, how you're going to mm. eat tomorrow, but you also got to worry about the safety of you. So your mm. mental health is being occupied by two major things. Yeah. How am I going to survive physically? Mm-hmm. And then how am I going to survive financially? So the that two two stress, especially like you live like a community that's very like violent, you know, people get yeah. killed every minute and then you know your mother can't feed you, um, it makes that very believable because yeah. it's two different struggles that you're facing. You're facing how am I gonna be alive by the time I get back in my house? But mm-hmm. am I gonna have food on the table tonight? So I I, I very much believe that statistic because yeah. with like everybody that lives in that community, you gotta focus on that because those yeah. are the two major things occupying your your brain, which makes you very stressed. Because you gotta stress. Yeah. They're gonna give you a real stress that you living in fear of your life that you don't know if you're gonna make it out. Like you don't know if you're gonna eat your your belly rumbling and then your mind is just completely like scared. So I actually very much believe that. Yeah. So yes. my question is then. You know, whose responsibility is, is it a social responsibility or is it an individual responsibility to um, handle that situation? I think it's both. Both social, both. as in the government, need to put, like, need to put the um, yeah. proper stuff in communities to make you safe. Uh, and then, you know, I'll get back in that. I'll listen to my Okay. A lot of people are going, so we're going to do Sonny, then Nara, then Derek. Don't lose it. Alright, so when you say socially, I assume you mean society and stuff. It could be, uh, that's why I kept it vague. And I think that's an individual responsibility because it's like your problem. Yes, society has, you know, probably influenced your your mental health and stuff. You you go on Instagram all day and you think, oh, this person is so beautiful, but they're probably plastic. you think, oh, why can't I be like them? Why right. can't I? So you start feeling like self-worth issues and stuff like that. Yeah. I think the person who needs to work on that is yourself. You work on yourself. You can't have someone to stop doing what they're doing. Right. Because you're feeling sad or something. Yeah. No. If that was no, like, get therapy or something. Yeah. Okay. And um, quickly referring back to what Ezron said, this is, I feel like this is the reason why we should um, be so grateful that we have parents and mm-hmm. we have, you know, these, um, these types of situations because um, us, like the, our parents, since the day that we were born, they were working around the clock 
and making sure that you know we're taken care of and who knows maybe one two or maybe three of us may be parents one day mm-hmm. and we'll have to go through the same types of things and from a personal point of view i did um experience a little bit of psychological stress at one point it was um second cycle you know with midterms coming around and then you know colleges hitting me up and yeah. like i was like oh my gosh am i going to be okay like how am i going to pay like am i going to pay for college like do i need to apply for scholarships and all of that other stuff just just it was driving me crazy yeah but here's one thing that i do to kind of relieve that stress first it's always important to take a deep breath for me because if i'm like hyperventilating and freaking out it'll only make things worse yeah so um first of all i need to take deep breaths i also need to pray i also pray and i always make sure to seek help from my family my friends Mm -hmm. and anyone that i can turn to to make sure that i'm okay and that i move move, um, with life at a stable pace yes uh so no those are very good tips i appreciate you sharing that so go ahead uh i wanted to like add more to like Ezra's claim about both i agree with him because like what he stated about like social the government has to improve and for the individual mm-hmm. i feel like um like we can't live without people no we are you can't totally live alone. by yourself yeah. like you can't live without getting help seeking help and everything everyone needs to find a way just to like come together as a community and help help each other because yeah without help from another person you cannot be successful there's no way like, right like you need like i stated before in one of these episodes you need a connection with someone in order to be successful yeah. And with that being said, like, even if the government, like, like it was stated before with our guest speaker last podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah, I still have to upload that, guys. I'm so yeah, sorry. which I'll be seeing later on. But, yeah. Um, with our guest speakers talking about, like, we have to be our own support of our community if the government is not doing it for us. Yeah. Like, the thing about us is that we can't wait anymore. We have to take the steps. It doesn't, like, if you're just waiting for things to happen, then you're not doing anything. Right, yeah. So that's all I wanted to say. You're talking about advocacy, yeah. advocacy for your your community, advocacy for yourself, which I like. Yeah. So um, we're gonna I'm gonna move on to the next one. Unless Derek, you have something. <laughs> Derek, you're very quiet today. <laughs> okay. To go back on what Nari said about being grateful about parents, it is true. But at the same time, do parents really um, reflect on their childhood and their past trauma? So that they don't bug up on your children, so that your children do good. That's also a very aspect. Yeah. Not so what you yeah. what you're talking about is called inter intergenerational trauma. Yeah. Intergenerational yeah. trauma. It, yeah. it, it, it was it was coming out, but it's better. But it's true though, and I don't think people realize that. Um, and I've gotten into debates about this with other people. It's like it's a real thing. You know what you carry from your great-great-grandmother or grandfather down, and it comes all the way down, it may not be the actual trauma, but you show symptoms of it. So, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, all right, so the next thing is the rise in suicidal thoughts and attempts. While, while still lower than the overall U.S. population, 9.5% of black American young adults had serious thoughts of suicide. Uh, in 2018 compared uh, with the 6% in 2008. So we saw a 3% raise, 3.5, in a matter of 10 years. 
Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, during the pandemic, a lot of us young Black adolescent have faced like a lot of trauma due to um, George Floyd and yeah. other yeah. protests, George Floyd and other killing of young Black Americans do, which it caused us, like, I suffered from a trauma when I watched the video because I was like, it was so heartbreaking to see yes. somebody just look exactly like me. So they're dehumanizing him and making him an animal, showing that, like, even though they say that slavery stopped, the dehumanization hasn't stopped yet. We're still living in a society where if I look a certain way, dress a certain way, do a certain thing, I'm always going to be stigmatized or in that category of something negative towards me as a Black person. And that's true. I don't think people realize that uh, that does contribute to your mental illness, like your mental health. I don't want to say illness, mental health, because that does things that you're seeing in the image through media, social media, anything that does play an impact. And especially during COVID, when we were all stuck for two years and we didn't get to move, how were you guys able to regulate that emotionally? Now I have something to say for what she said. Oh, go ahead. Um, so, uh, Shay said something really important, um, and it takes me all the way back to, like, you know, the three-fifths compromise, mm-hmm. where the people with the color of our skin are only seen as three-fifths of a person, yep. and that going back to what I said previously in the previous episode, is that we have to strive to show excellence in our skin, so that we can show we're, we're a whole person, and mm. not three-fifths. Which um and there's not enough resources for us to to you know get out of the community and do it, yeah. which is why there's so many you know there's a higher percentage of suicide rates because we can't prove that we're a yeah. person, and yeah. it's stigmatized that we are three fifths. So how do you break through that stigmatism? That's uh, a- Right. So it goes back to my question, is it a social responsibility or is it an individual responsibility? I think it's a group responsibility. Meaning to say that yes, we need the social workers into teaching us as black people what are the mental illness, how to how to treat them correctly and how not to bring it on to your children in the future. And yeah. and us as the individual, we need to learn and use that and spread it out to our community so that it's not just I, I'm the only person who know I'm sharing that information so that it comes in a cycle so that everybody has that knowledge and they can use that knowledge as a resource to become stronger and mentally strong too because as we grow up in the job force and we keep working we're gonna like we are gonna face racism or some dis- yeah. some kind of discrimination and we need to be mentally strong in order for us to go throughout and not break down at one point during our job. And I think that's really important that, you know, you guys to the, to be prepared for that because a lot of people don't realize that within your community, yes, you're safe. But if you go into where you are now the two, let's, I'm sorry, I'm making up a number, like the 2%, let's say if you guys, if some of you guys choose to go to college and, you know, it's, let's say 78% white to 8%, it's not even usually that, it's like 5%, 5% black. Two percent. This, are you guys ready to handle that? Um, personally, I would say I am because 
that's what I think it's me. No, and that's but it's a question because with what and why I'm seeing it the way I am is because you're with your within your community, right? Now you're stepping outside of your community. Right. So whether or not you know, it's just something to think about, obviously. But because I you made a really good point. It's like getting you guys ready for that because some people can handle it and some people can't handle it. You know, um, I have a lot of, okay, so who's going? Because now I see hands. Samuel hasn't talked yet. So, and I, I see he wants to talk. (laughs) Ezra is it for people don't know. Ezra is setting up the mic for him nicely. Uh, so yeah, talking about like suicide and everything, it's either you strengthen yourself or you get help. It's either both of those, otherwise you suck down and everything. So for like us black people, I mean, not only black people and everything, there, I mean, for everybody, there have been less, uh, what's the word for that? Mental, mental. Yes. The, the mind, that thing. The thing that's attached to me. So, so yeah, there have been less mental um help like therapy and everything, yeah. institutions or organization, whatever, uh to get help from than physical. Mm. So like it will always be easier to get to a hospital than to get to like therapy and right. everything. This what, what's available to you. Exactly. And that goes back down to is it a social or is it individual responsibility to make those resources available? Mm, at this point. Okay, wait. Uh, okay. Well, Ezra, thanks for handling the mic. Um, it's an individual responsibility to make it known socially. Because some people, okay. are, some yes. people are selfish. Um, an example of it: uh, a person of my color can find a way to make money, right? But since they're this is their first taste of what wealth is like, mm. they rather keep it to themselves Interesting. than advocating. And if there's someone like me who knows what mental illness does to someone and doesn't want to help, it's the yeah. same thing. Because you're being selfish and you're not advocating what's yeah. good which is like demoralizing yourself as a whole it's like the jew the jews when they find uh, a way to make money they tell others they tell their they, friends and family yes and, and then they they build an empire off of that and there's the block in hillside yeah where it's just strictly jews and they own every shop there because they because they support jews. they support with themselves within the community um okay so we're gonna do nara Okay, and then Ezra. Okay, so we. Anybody have any questions they want to ask? Any final thoughts before we can, you know, we wrap up this podcast? Yes, I actually do have a question. So, say if the person is scared to get help, um, and their parents are at home telling them that you know we don't go talk to people and stuff like that, and that's increasing their fear. What do you suggest for that person um, to do in order to? Receive help. Okay, yeah. Let's put that. I'm gonna put that back on you guys. Okay, yeah. So first off, I think the first thing that they have to do is make sure that they're calm and that they're ready to tell someone. Because you can't just be um, forcing someone 
you're like, oh, you should really tell someone. You should definitely tell someone, like, do something right now. It's like, no, you have to wait until that person is ready, like, emotionally ready, you know, physically ready, mentally ready to actually tell somebody. And then, yeah, you know, spend, some, spend some time with them, you know. Do, mm-hmm. what, do what makes them happy, you know. Maybe you can go out, have a nice time. Maybe go to the park. Maybe go get some food together. Just um, try to um, boost their self-esteem, make them happy. Until they'll be re- until they're ready to tell their story, and then maybe after that they'll be able to get help. That's important. Help is always important. Anybody you want to? Um, what I learned from the mental health program. Shout out to the bridge. Oh yes, yes, yes. 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 Yep. Um. So technically, like, it depends on what level of like how much trauma they're facing. And everything. Mm-hmm. It really depends on that. Um, what you have to, what you will do is that you don't have to state their like their name or anything. Just say like you get advice from many people, asking them how would they handle that type of situation, and then you just try to find a way that best suits that scenario that you could. But like, if it tends to like try to get worse, if it's like really bad, then you gotta do what you gotta do. You have to protect that person as best as possible. Even if that person at the end of the day, what you did, they might say they hate you and all that. Just don't regret that you made that decision yeah. because at the end of the day, you you saved that person's life and you saved them from doing things that they would have regretted in that time frame. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I, I think the thing is, is knowing what your resources are in your community. Go ahead, Derek. Um, one essential thing that I think is more important to me, in my opinion, is that being able to talk to them. Mm. Yeah. Making a safe space like this space is yeah is something so vital for them that will allow them to open up because it's not easy to just you know just out of the blue seek help when you're stigmatized that seeking help from uh, an alternative source mm-hmm. aside from your family is something that you shouldn't do yeah so gaining trust is something important as Nara said yeah and as um, Marcus said, and uh, being able to build trust and talking to them is something I believe will be it. Yeah, no, and I think that's, you know, communication is always the first step. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hate, you know, guys, we have to wrap up our time per use. So um, we might do a part four. Uh, We may or may not. We'll talk about this after the podcast, but let's let's close it up. So. Yes. All right. All right, um, beautiful humans. Thank you all so much for listening to another wonderful episode of the Safe Space Podcast. Um, we are available on Apple Podcasts or whatever or whatever you listen to podcasts. Thank you all so, so, so much. And we will see you next time. Bye. I gotta cut that voice.